Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome back to the Get Your Goat podcast. Officially, the first week of NFL is in the books. Ravens, Raiders, an outstanding all-time classic Monday night football game. I am going to dive into that and react to that. Some injury news for some teams. I'm going to get into a couple more reactions that I didn't have time for on Monday. Then my top five teams after the first week in the NFL. Some week one standouts. Previewing the Thursday night football game tomorrow. And some other news on the college football NBA and MLB world. So let's get right into it with that Raiders and Ravens game from Monday night. I predicted a Ravens win barely. I believe they were a four-point favorite. I thought it would be just about that, Uh, but I was wrong. The Raiders pulled off a tremendous win, their first home game with fans at Allegiant Stadium in the Death Star. That place was rocking. Now, it was 14-0 midway through the second quarter. I thought this game was over. The Ravens were looking good. Uh, Running the ball, Lamar looked decent. Passing the ball, and it looked like just too much. This Raiders defense, which has never been good with John Gruden, it just looked like it was too much to handle. Then the offense for... Baltimore uh, kind of stalled, and the pass rush to me, especially by Max Crosby, for the Raiders, stepped it up. Max Crosby was in Lamar Jackson's face all night, passing or rushing him down, running to him, getting to him, accelerating to catch up to him. Uh, he was ferocious all night. So just like that, it was 14-10. to 10 going into halftime, and we had ourselves a game. And then it was 17-10, third quarter, so we enter the fourth quarter, and it was back and forth from there with the 17-10 lead from Baltimore. Josh Jacobs with a nice, hard 15-yard touchdown run to tie it up. Then the Ravens answer right back. Then the Raiders score again to make it 24 apiece. Then with 37 seconds left, Justin Tucker hits a field goal, and it looks like that would be the game. But Derek Carr, brilliant drive. Daniel Carlson, 55-yard field goal as time expires, hits a career long, and then we go into overtime where chaos happens. The Raiders win the toss. They're going... Uh, driving down the field. Nice catch. Looks like it's a touchdown in overtime. Then it's called off. Runner was short of the goal line. Replay uh, initiated it, and it did look like he was short, a yard short. So they go back. They try to run it with the quarterback. Doesn't work. And then a false start happens. So you're at the goal line. And then you have to go to the six-yard line. They dial up a pass play, and the ball is intercepted. Derek Carr uh, throws a ball uh, that, you know, 
could, should have been cut, but also there was not enough touch on it. So because of that, uh, it goes right through of a receiver's hands. It wasn't, he didn't close his hands. Then it hits a Ravens helmet, a player, his head, ball goes up in the air. Ravens interception. They take over at the 20 yard line. Raiders are in disbelief that they thought they won the game. They were celebrating. Then they had it at the goal line, just an easy punch in the false start interception. And then Baltimore could drive, kick a field goal, next score wins. A couple plays later, Lamar fumbles the football. He was electric for most of the night with his legs. That was a costly fumble. And... He had two of them that game, two fumbles lost. That was the key one uh, right there. It was a third down. He wanted to scramble at that point. It was a decision in his head, but the excellent pass rush by Max Crosby and Carl uh, Nassib to knock that ball out and then recover it proved key. Then, you know, it looked like the Raiders were just going to get it in perfect field position, but then they take a delay of game lining up, and then they don't know if they want to do that. So then it's kind of like an all-out blitz where Marlon Humphrey gets lost uh, and Zay Jones has a wide-open route. Derek Carr throws it perfectly to him, and that ends the game. Amazing game. My biggest takeaways is this, my overreactions to this game, is one, the Ravens, are not contending for this division. They'll make the playoffs, they'll be it, but I thought they'd be division contenders after this game. I am not sold on them as division contenders. Why? Because this is a very good division. Pittsburgh beat a very good team in the Buffalo Bills, who just lost in the AFC Championship game of this past year. So the Steelers, reigning division champions, Look good. Uh, their offense, you know, I think could use some work. But this defense looks amazing. This is the type of defense that looks like they can carry a team to a playoff spot. So the Ravens have to contend with that. What else do we have to contend with? An up-and-coming Cincinnati team. Uh, this Cincinnati team on defense didn't look like much. But the connection there uh, with Joe Burrow in this offense, Jamar Chase... Uh, Joe Mixon, uh, tight end Uzomoa, T. Higgins. This offense looks good. Cleveland, they played a heck of a game against uh, Balt. I mean, against Kansas City in Kansas City, where they could have won. Were up majority of the game, they couldn't seal the deal. But playing like that in Arrowhead is inspiring. I don't know if the Ravens will be able to do that. We'll see. Ravens are playing Kansas City this Sunday, Sunday night football. This time it's in Baltimore. We'll see if Baltimore uh, can match the physicality and what Cleveland just did. So they've got problems from other teams in their own division. Then they got problems of their own. Uh, they have a defense that doesn't look as good as last year or in years past. It doesn't look like a top five group. Uh, I think, you know, this front seven is good. 
you know, Kalias Campbell, uh, Patrick Queen. I think they're all solid players. They'll do good, but the secondary will ding them in the end. The loss of Marcus Peters hurts them. They were playing too much man. Marlon Humphrey got turned around a few times and didn't look like one of the best cornerbacks in the game. Uh, they had trouble uh, defending the deep throw, not getting a push on Darren Waller. So this team has its own struggles in on offense. It looked like the same old offense. Uh, Lamar Jackson wanting to run the football, throwing the football. The Raiders couldn't stop them. They don't have a good defense in itself, but they were to generate just enough of a pass rush to make Lamar feel uncomfortable in that game. So I like that, but the Ravens, I think they're going to have a tough time contending for a playoff spot. And after this game, I think their division hopes are dashed already. Then you have the Raiders. I'm not sold on the Raiders yet or Derek Carr yet. Yes, this was a great win. Derek Carr uh, played great, threw for 435 yards. I believe he threw uh, for the most yards so far. Uh, Through week one, he was good. Darren Waller was unstoppable, but we all know that. Uh, This offense looked good. You know, this defense needs some help. Uh, This rushing attack for the Raiders also needs a little bit of help, even though this Baltimore rush defense is very solid. But I'm not sold on the Raiders yet, on Derek Carr yet, because of their division. I think they have great weapons, I believe, in the Derek Carr, Carr, Darren Waller uh, connection. But this is a very tough division. The AFC West, the NFC West, are the only divisions uh, so far that not one team has lost a game. Uh, Because we take a look at the AFC West, which is the division the Las Vegas Raiders are in, You have the Kansas City Chiefs. That's where the AFC goes through. They've won the division something like six times in a row. They've been to the Super Bowl the past two years, winning one and losing this past one. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. It runs through them. Even though Las Vegas does play them tough, Kansas City is still heads and shoulders above the Raiders and the rest of this division. You have the Chargers, who were very solid last year with Offensive Rookie of the Year, Justin Herbert. And this is just another year of progression. They just earned a very good win over a good Washington defense. So Justin Herbert looks good. Keenan Allen looked amazing as well. This offensive line looks a little better. Uh... They revamped that a little through the draft and through free agency. And then they have one of the best defensive players in Joey Bosa on the edge. So a good football team. Then you have the Denver Broncos uh, who beat the New York Giants. And what do they have? They have one of the best and most deep uh, defenses in the league. Uh and their offense has been surprising. Well, they have weapons. Uh, the Jerry Judy, the Sutton, uh, the KJ Hamler, Melvin Gordon had the fastest run of the week. And Teddy Bridgewater's no slouch. He can definitely manage a game. He did go with the Vikings, with the Saints in his time. So they're no uh, sleeper either. 
So the Raiders have it very, very tough. And it's really, can Waller, I mean, can Derek Carr deliver this on a constant basis? There's been times where he's played great, like this game against the Raiders. And then there's times where he doesn't uh, play great and he's overthrowing the football, underthrowing it. His decision-making isn't good. Uh, even though the pocket is clean, he dances around too much, doesn't make uh, the right throw down the field. So uh, Derek Carr, I'm still not sold on him. Love John Gruden. Think he's a great coach. However, so far in his tenure with the Las Vegas Raiders back after his original stint, uh, he has not lived up to expectations. To me, very similar uh, to the Jim Harbaugh situation where Jim Harbaugh was touted as the guy who went to a Super Bowl with the 49ers, a couple NFC Championship trips, comes down to Michigan, has a couple good seasons, but just can't get over the hump. Same with John Gruden, couple good seasons, but they just can't get over the hump, haven't won a playoff game, haven't really been playoff contenders with him, haven't had a good defense. So it's a lot of smoke right there with John Gruden for a man that signed a 10-year, $100 million contract a few years ago. But I was impressed by what I saw. I'm not going to lie. I was impressed. I just want to see this on a consistent basis. That's what I want. But until I see that consistently, you know, I'm still rolling with the Chiefs as this uh, division winner and the Raiders still missing the playoffs. But no, this was a very great Monday night football game. Very entertaining. And uh, to me, both uh, stretches are tough ahead for both the Ravens and the Raiders. Some other news as well. Raheem Mostert, running back for the San Francisco 49ers, is going to have season-ending knee injury. This is a huge loss for the 49ers. To me, uh, their key running back, just because of how fast that he is, can really open up the game for the 49ers. Uh, and this hurts because he was injured most of last year too. And now... He is injured again. Injuries have not been kind to the 49ers again this year with Verrett uh, getting injured. Now him. Uh, and who knows You know what the future holds for Trey Sermon, who was a healthy scratch this past week and had a high pick on him. So that is a key loss, especially in the NFC West, where it is loaded. And again... Another division where the team did not lose. This just makes it harder for San Francisco. Uh, Whereas they are a running team first. They rely on that running attack to open up the play action. Uh, That's what served them well when they made it to the Super Bowl. And Jimmy Garoppolo only threw six or eight passes or whatever. Because it was going uh, through Mostert and the running game. Oh, that's a tremendous loss uh, for them moving forward in a loaded NFC West. Another thing as well, two stars for the Broncos 
were put on IL. Ronald Darby, Ronald Darby, cornerback, and Jerry Judy, wide receiver. Again, after a great first win against the Giants, those are two guys that the Denver Broncos need. So this was a big loss as well. What else? Jalen Hurts. Is he overhyped after week one? Yes, I believe so. Now, he had an incredible game. 264 yards, three touchdowns. uh, Quarterback rating 72, passer rating of 126 as well. Had a few rushes for 62 yards, so all-purpose yards. He was around uh, 320, and he played good. But this is also the same Jalen I saw play against the Saints, where he looked really good as well at one game, and they were talking Jalen, and then he kind of stinks up a joint the next two games and doesn't play with that same confidence. So I know Jalen Hurts can play. I saw him play at Alabama, and I saw him play at Oklahoma. I've seen a few good games with the Eagles that look really good, and I've seen a few games with the Eagles that look bad. They benched him uh, at the end of last year uh, because he was playing bad. At Alabama, he was benched for Tua as well. So I just want to see Jalen Hurts. Can he be a consistent starter? Right now, I'm not buying into the hype. I'm glad he's had one good game. I hope he's the Eagles answer quarterback. I hope he stays healthy and he's the guy. However, I'm not sold on that. Uh, Due to some of his performances in the past, I think if he plays like this, Philadelphia has a great shot to win the division. Uh, The Giants don't look good. Uh, The football team has a good defense, but their offense is suspect. Dallas has a great offense, but their defense is suspect. And to me, Philadelphia has a little bit of both. It's the key is Jalen Hurts. I still need to see if I'm going to get this performance every week from him or not. Because that is the key test. However, I'm not sold on him being a 17-game starter in the NFL so far. I still think he has uh, some things to work on in his game to take himself to the next level and to be a key starter. Another thing I'm not buying into right now is Jameis Winston. Because when you really look at it, yes, it was five touchdowns, but he only threw for 148 yards. They only really only had 322 yards. They had more rushing yards than pass yards. That's because they're more prolific with Alvin Kamara and uh, Jameis Winston using his legs as well than Jameis Winston as a passer. Yes, his decision-making was great, his deep ball uh, was good as well, but that's always been good, as, as, even with the time that he was with uh, the Bucks. It was really just limiting turnovers. So if he can do this same performance, that's great. But to say Jameis Winston is this, you know, sensational quarterback, it's just brilliant. I mean, come on, if he didn't throw for five touchdowns, we wouldn't be having this conversation now, would we? Because 148 yards, that's nothing special. We look at Aaron Rodgers, who had 133 yards. That's 15 yards less, but he had no touchdowns and two interceptions. That's why we're talking about how poorly Aaron Rodgers was. It was his decision-making and really setting up the New Orleans offense for success. 
But if you turn that around and Jameis Winston doesn't have those five touchdowns, then we're looking at just 148 yards. That's nothing special. I haven't seen anything special yet from Jameis Winston in a while. I see specialness from Alvin Kamara, uh, Deontay Harris. That's what I see. You know, I want to see Jameis Winston, like Jalen Hurts, do this consistently. He plays the Bucks twice this year. He plays the football team. He plays the Seahawks, the Bills, the Cowboys. I want to see this against all those teams, not just week one. Again, I made some overreactions already on my previous podcast on how I like how much I like the Browns and the Cardinals after week one and some of this, but I'm not gonna overreact to everything I see. There's still some that I need proof, and Jameis Winston is still one of those guys that I'm not gonna declare him an MVP candidate or go out of my way to say how brilliant he is, because the last full season I got from him was 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. So I'll pause the breaks there on the Jameis Winston hype train real quick. Something else. Justin Fields needs to start now. Yes, on my previous podcast, I said I was fine with the performance of just our Andy Dalton. You know, he played well. It was a tough defense. Didn't make a ton of errors. But to me, he does not give them the best chance to win. And that's mainly uh, because he's not a mobile quarterback. Justin Fields opens up the offense more with his one touchdown where he was able uh, to scramble, make a guy miss, and then punch it in for a touchdown. You're not going to get that with Andy Dalton. And why not with a decent schedule coming up, the Bengals, uh, coming up next, you know, you have the Browns, uh, but I think don't think Justin Fields has anything to fear uh, from this defense, you know, the Raiders uh, and such. So why not start him now? You really have, you know, the defense that scared you, just got them out of the way. Why not turn to Justin Fields and see what he can do? That's why you drafted him. Gone are the days of guys... You know, taking a back seat like the Drew Brees, the Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady uh, era. You just throw the guys in now under the fire and they'll learn. Other performances I liked from week one, especially Matthew Stafford. Saw this thing, you know, because his debut, I believe, was the best debut where Almost a perfect passer rating, three touchdowns, over 300 yards was brilliant. Uh, but I saw an Instagram post with a little goat tied to his name. And let's just pump the brakes on this. I want to just get this out of the way right now. Is I've been seeing the goat be overused. Now, what is the goat? The GOAT is the greatest of all time. Now, you need to specify the GOAT. You can't put the GOAT with Matthew Stafford because his debut with a team is the best there ever is. That doesn't constitute greatest of all time. It simply doesn't because 
it's one performance. Now, you know, this is football, so there's many uh, performances that we see that you don't just judge one performance and say, Matthew Stafford, that made you the GOAT. No, it, it's, it's a line of work is how you judge the GOAT. And I'm glad he had one performance that was amazing. I've seen Matthew Stafford with plenty of good performances. But if we're talking about generally the GOAT is a whole or the greatest quarterback of all time in football, it's Tom Brady. If you want to dissect it down to running back, greatest running back of all time, greatest wide receiver, you can do that. But I see the GOAT being used so much now. Uh, that it's kind of losing, you know, its value. A few years ago, you know, it was really MJ was a GOAT, Michael Jordan, and there's really no other GOAT discussions now. Seems like we're having a GOAT discussion all the time with Patrick Mahomes and quarterbacks and LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Uh, so Moan Biles has the self-declared gymnastics GOAT, who I agree with, uh, the tennis GOAT, Roger Federer, uh, Novak Djokovic. So this will always be an ongoing debate, but there's definitely more talk of this now. But, you know, when we just give it for one performance, a la Matthew Stafford or something else, it kind of diminishes GOAT. So let's just stop using that for every great performance that we see because you need to take in the whole body of work, which makes it of all time. If it was a great, you know, we're just making these things, you know, for the simplest view of it, you know, greatest passing debut by a quarterback in a Rams uniform at Sunday night football when kickoff was at 520 Pacific Standard Time, 820 Eastern Time, and the moon was full, and you know you had the breeze coming in from SoFi. It wasn't it, you know, the Hollywood Bowl or anything. So let's just stop all that. Now I'm going to give you my top five teams in the NFL right now after what I've seen from Week One. Number five is the Cleveland Browns. Yes. I know they lost, but to me, that is the best loss I've seen this week by a good team. To me, Cleveland Browns, uh, they were, you know, right there. I was talking about them having the best roster in the NFL, uh, arguably, and it was on full display on Sunday. Uh, key turnovers. Cost them the game, but the AFC should be afraid of how good this Browns team is. It showed that they're for real. That last year wasn't a fluke, and they're going to be ready to go moving forward. So, I like the Browns. I like this team. Like what I saw from Baker, this rushing attack of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And... The defense as well seems improved too. Now, number four, the Seattle Seahawks. Why? Because they played a great 
Indianapolis Colts defense, who's been terrific. Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner. Now, DeForest Buckner and Miss Lyon got there at times, but this offensive line looked better in years past. I don't know if it's just chemistry pulling them uh, together to look great, but they looked really good. This offense, you know, but letting Russ cook, you know, Tyler Lockett to connection is just special. DK Metcalf is a better wide receiver in terms of raw talent, speed, size, ability, and all that. But the Tyler Lockett-Russell Wilson connection is just special. It is when a play needs to be happening, it seems like Tyler Lockett is Russell Wilson's go-to man, and they just have the years of chemistry uh, together. And this defense looked improved, especially the pass defense. They were a good rush defense last year. But seeing an improved pass rush over a good offensive line, I know they had a key starter out, but I really liked this Seahawks defense. Number three, the Los Angeles Rams. Ton of expectations on this team. Ton of expectations on Matthew Stafford, Aaron, or Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay. How are they going to live up to these expectations? Primetime game Sunday night. Well, they surely lived up to it. This offense did. Matthew Stafford to uh, Van Jefferson to start it off. It looks like he has a relationship with Cooper Cup. This line did good. This defense still looks like one of the best in the league, if not the best. Jalen Ramsey was all over the field, uh, making plays, tackling uh, for a loss as well. Aaron Donald was in the backfield, uh, disrupting the timing of Andy Dalton. So all levels of this defense look good. The offense looked good. Sean McVay called a perfect game plan, and they had fun doing it. Number two is the Kansas City Chiefs. They withstood a tough test from a Cleveland Browns team to win, and you see how quickly the game changes uh, just on a few plays. A 75-yard pass to Tyreek Hill, then a muff punt, and then a touchdown right away to Travis Kelsey. But the key was that 75-yard pass that put all the pressure back on the Browns, you know, to not really give them the ball back. And what did they do right away? Uh, the muff punt gave them the ball back. This team is just so explosive, can score, you know, on the flip of a coin. That is how good this offense is. And we saw this defense get broken down, not a top 10 defense, but the offense can make up for its shortcomings. But how often will it be able to do that is the question. What leads me to my number one team. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, still the reigning champions, withstood another tough test like the Chiefs did against the Browns, but they did against the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott, brilliant that game. Uh, He was spectacular uh, in that loss. uh, Torvis defense, a part specifically this pass defense. This needs to be improved, but Brady looks even better than he did last year. The MCL healed another year of chemistry with this team. The connection to Antonio Brown and Gronk just seems like it was meant to be. And I think this defense will get fine-tuned. The loss to Sean Murphy bunting is huge. Uh, 
but another comeback win for Tom Brady. That's just what the GOAT does, and that's what he did last night or last week. So those are my top five teams. The Cleveland Browns, the Seattle Seahawks, the Los Angeles Rams, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now time to preview the Thursday night football game on tomorrow. The New York Giants going up against the Washington football team. Now right away, I'm picking the Washington football team. I picked the Giants last week. They screwed me over. Daniel Jones didn't look good. So I'm done with them. And that's that. I'm picking the football team. But I'll tell you why. Because... They're due. They're just due. The Giants have won five in a row against the football team. Uh, But it's ending now because Washington has a better defense than the Broncos did last week. And the Broncos dominated. Von Miller was back in form. Washington just lost a close game to the Chargers. Good defensive performance. I think their defense will be ready to take advantage of a quarterback that's definitely not as good as Justin Herbert, this time in Daniel Jones. Kenny Galladay uh, looked rusty as well that game, but I think Chase Young, Montez Sweat will have a huge matchup advantage against an offensive line that just continually has troubles and that of the New York Giants, it seems like, Draft picks are being spent there. Time is being spent there. The results, though, are never there. And what happens when you put time into something, money into something, resources, and it just doesn't work out? When is the time where you just give up? Because it's been like three or four years with this offensive line, probably even longer I dated all the way back to six years, even uh, with Eli Manning having troubles with this offensive line. So it's a given record. When is the time to just blow it up and just start over again? Because I think that's where the Giants are at. And with this great defense of Washington, I think Daniel Jones will be in for a long game tomorrow night. I'm picking the football team to win this game. I expect them to end their skid. I think Taylor Heineke will give them just a spark to do good this weekend or tomorrow night. I'm picking the football team. And for the Giants to start 0-2 and really, even though I think they're out of contention, we can just officially say they're out of contention. And they have key people out as well. Evan Ingram, Shane Lemieux, Cam Brown, uh, Saquon Barkley is going to be questionable. Who knows if he'll ever uh, be fully healthy again uh, with his knee injury. Maybe they just need to let that rest for a bit. But still rolling with the football team. Now moving on to college football. That is USC fired their head coach Clay Helton yesterday. And it was due. I thought it was, you know, he was great with Sam Darnold. But the past few years 
hasn't been tremendous for USC. You know, USC, great lineage of great uh, people, recruits coming in. Um, Pete Carroll, head coach, you know, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, James White, all those guys. Brilliant. But it's time for a change, especially after getting embarrassed by an inferior rival, such as the Stanford Cardinal. That was not a good look at all. And of course, now there's speculation with Urban Meyer. And that first week, it just speculation follows him everywhere. He says there's no chance he'd leave for the USC job. And I agree. I don't know how appealing that USC job is right now, considering uh, the uh, Pac-12 as a whole and kind of the, uh, the other realignments happening now, maybe the playoff expanding. I like to wait for a little bit more clarity to see how good this job is. But if you're talking about just tradition, then go for it. Eric Bieniemy, uh offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, has been one linked to this job. I think he'd be a great fit anywhere. I wanted him to be the Detroit Lions head coach. I think very highly of Eric Bieniemy and the offense that he runs with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now there's questions. Can he run a similar offense with people not named Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and uh, Tyreek Hill? And yes, I think the answer is yes. He can. He has the experience from Andy Reid to develop and run multiple sets. Uh, We've seen Patrick Mahomes not playing games before, and uh, some of these play calls still I know by Andy Reid, but they get the job done. Now, what else in the Big 12 for college football? Well, they are looking to add BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. Now, this is good because right now it's only 10 teams, so it's only a Big 10. Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. And after what I saw from Texas, uh, just a side rant right here against Arkansas, and I said, you know, Texas is going to win. Steve Sarkeesian and uh, is the offensive coordinator with Alabama beat this team 52-3. to This will be easy. And then Arkansas went and blew Texas out of the water. This ain't going to be good for Texas. I'm just speaking that right now. I don't know if they really want to go through with that. If Texas has problems in the Big 12 currently, and then now they're looking to move to the SEC... With Alabama, in Florida, in Georgia, Oklahoma still. A loss they just had to Arkansas. I mean, I really don't think this is a great move for Texas. I could see Texas going 3-9 and nine every year. I don't think this is a good move for them, especially if we're considering the recruiting trail, the competition here. If, you know, Nick Saban is going after the same recruits as you. I choose Nick Saban every time. I mean, I don't have much faith in this Texas team. I don't think this will be a good move for them. But for adding competition, BYU, an independent who's playing well, they always seem uh, to play well. I think this would be a good move both for them to kind of get recognition uh, and then ask, especially with them just beating Utah, that is good for recruits as well. And then joining sort of a bit makeshift Big 12 now with other teams. 
Cincinnati, a team from the AAC, uh, number eight, they never get recognition as well being in a weak division with Memphis, SMU, uh, Tulane, and Temple. Always a great team, but it's hard to judge based on that division. Again, more recognition for them will add to the competition of a Big 12. And then other uh, another AAC team as well, or two in fact, and one is UCF and then the other Houston. This would be a good move for UCF, who has been great. You know, they're 13-0 year or whatever. Uh, declared themselves national championship team. You know, they weren't the champions. Again, I think this was a good move for them. And then Houston as well. Don't see this as a great move for Houston, but if you want to bring them in, why not do that? And that kind of disbands the American Athletic Conference because then you're left with not a lot of big names such as Memphis, SMU, Temple, Tulane, Eastern Carolina, and such like that. Uh, while adding that, and still I think the Big 12 will be competitive with those teams. I just mentioned with Oklahoma State, Baylor, Iowa State, uh, it won't be as strong as it is now, but you're still levying the competition, especially with the SEC, the agreement between the ACC, Big 10, and, and the Pac-12. Uh, the Big 12 had to do something, and they did. Now, what else? Well, in the NBA, the Rockets and John Wall are looking to find a trade. I think this is best for both parties. The Rockets surely don't want to pay him $91 million over the next two years. Buying him out uh, is insanely expensive, like I just said. And I think Wall still needs a fresh start. Uh, has had, you know, Achilles injuries, knee injuries, uh, is not explosive as he once was, but I think him going to a decent team where they need a veteran point guard presence uh, would be beneficial, and I think reworking his contract as well would be huge for especially playoff contenders that could use John Wall. Then, wrapping up, with the MLB. That is Garrett Cole winning last night for the Yankees on the mound. Looks like the AL Cy Young, at least to me, is his. Uh, I think he deserves it, closing in on the Yankees strikeout record and all that. That'll be good. Yankees Torres. Uh, Glaber feels good about switching back to second base, and I'm glad he feels that way uh, because it was very bad at him at shortstop. Last night, the Dodgers beat the Arizona Diamondbacks, clinched a playoff spot, yet they are still two and a half games back of the division, and San Francisco has a game in hand. So when you look at that tonight, Dodgers play the Diamondbacks again, and the Padres Play the Giants. Giants won, I believe, nine to one last night, or six to one. So yeah, six to one. Another big game for both the Padres and the Giants. Why? Well, the Giants want to stay ahead of the Dodgers in the NL West and clinch division, and not even have any wild card game at all. 
But if you're the Padres, you're now one game back of the second wild card spot. Yes, Cincinnati Reds ahead of you and the St. Louis Cardinals. These are big games. Your pitching has been terrible. Your hitting has been terrible as well. Uh, Giants will probably win this game again. The Padres have struggled so much. This team has struggled so much. It has allowed for Bryce Harper to officially make an MVP campaign. That's how bad uh, this team has been. Then you have Vladimir Guerrero, too, going off for the Blue Jays, overtaking Shohei Otani in home runs. And... Now, they're talking about him being the MVP. I still don't buy that because Shohei Otani has had such a good season, both hitting and pitching. Yes, his pitching's on a bit decrease the past few games. Uh, Vladimir's passed him in home runs by one. But still, we talked about Shohei Otani having one of the best baseball seasons ever. Yes, Vladimir's uh, closing in on the Triple Crown. But if we remember a few years ago, Aaron Judge... Uh, and Jose Altuve, Jose Altuve stole the MVP from Judge. Judge had more home runs. They had similar runs batted in. Jose Altuve had uh, a higher batting average. Uh, but, you know, of course, there are cheating allegations. And just thought that it would be Judge or at least close, and it was a Jose Altuve landslide. Just because Guerrero has just hitting numbers, I don't think that's enough to pass Shohei Otani. And then one other thing I just want to mention before I close off is speaking of Bryson DeChambeau, golfer, talking about his hands are wrecked with calluses because of his intense training, his two-a-days where it's the longest drive and I have these 90-minute speed sessions. It's a grueling routine. It's like a personal record every day for, you know, it. but, you know, my hands hurt and now he's practicing, and he has the Ryder Cup coming up before this long drive competition. I mean, everything is just about himself. And to me, he's just making an excuse already. So when he doesn't perform well at the Ryder Cup, he can say, I told you so. I said a couple weeks ago, my hands were shot. Uh, they're wrecked. I've got all these calluses. Uh, I just don't think I know... He was made Team USA because of his golf ranking, and he automatically qualified. But I just don't like his personality and his kind of locker room vibe that he will give with Team USA. I hope he doesn't hurt the chemistry because right now I like the talent of Team USA, but the chemistry of Team Europe could give them a huge win this year. That's all, folks. What do you think of a Monday night football game? Who do you think will win between the Giants and the football team tomorrow night? I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.